0: What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. And I'm Christy. And today we are bringing you a an extra special episode in honor of Women's History Month, partially and also in relevancy with what has been happening in our world lately. Um, there have been some very public crimes against women, uh, some crimes against Asian women specifically, and... You know, in the case of both Sarah Everard, who was murdered in the UK while walking home, and in the case of the Atlanta shooting where eight people were killed, six of them being Asian women, uh, we felt inspired to talk about our struggles as women and uh, Christy, you know, being an Asian woman. mm -hmm. There are some things that
1: I have to say about my experiences So we are here to share them, and I think that it's fair to say that it's going to be a loaded episode, so we do want to provide a trigger warning at the top of the episode for anyone listening who, you know, may be sensitive to these topics. We will be talking about sexual assault, racism, and, you know, I, I think that it's important to just... Let that be known that, you know, we were saying before, it can be a little jarring when you start listening to something and you're not really sure what you're about to get into. And this episode in particular is going to be pretty raw for both of us. And, you know, we just wanted to say that up front.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a deep topic we're covering a lot. It's it's us as humans, us as women, it's Christy as an Asian woman, it's us the uh even the subcategories of women that we're in of being petite women of being women who look young there's a lot of layers to it that are all uh and being where we're from the being middle to lower class there's a lot that all plays into the stories that we're going to tell today and um these are basically what the things that we've survived Mm -hmm. as women and unfortunately it is so common that we just find it normal that we have been put in many survival situations uh, as all women are every day. Every single day and every moment you are at risk and you know that. And um, it's it can be a really difficult way to live when you constantly feel unsafe and there's an extra added layer to that if you're a woman of color so um yeah we want to talk about all of that today and we offer different but similar perspectives and um yeah so i think that definitely trigger warning this is listen to this when you're ready uh i think we are going to say a lot of things that are really important that i were looking forward to sharing with you guys we're going to touch on some topics that christy and i have never discussed publicly so But just be prepared and be in the right state of mind for a deeper conversation.
1: Yes. And it's one of those things where, like you said, living in fear as a woman has just always felt natural. And throughout our entire lives, we – well, I guess I can only really speak for myself. But I'm sure you and a lot of other women can relate to the feeling of almost being numb – to the fear because it is so ingrained in our everyday life. You know, it's not even just walking on the streets. You could feel unsafe in your workplace, in your home, in your relationships. It really shows itself in your everyday life, so it can be difficult to really see what's going on and in, you know, spirit of all of this news that's going on. I think that it is sparking a larger conversation that needs to be had about a multitude of topics, not just women and their safety, but also racism and being Asian in this country. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about it. And I myself have even found it to be somewhat normal, I hate to use that word normal, but when you hear the news, it's almost run-of-the-mill to hear about another attack on a woman, a woman who's been raped, murdered, kidnapped, because it is so common. And we really need to start taking a look at that and making it a conversation in society and have it being taken much more seriously than just another news story that get swept under the rug and perpetuated
0: so yeah the um, the crimes against women matter and women are valuable and women are important and girls are important and there is you know and even honestly everyone who isn't a cis straight white man is uh in danger of white men that's the truth point blank and no not all men but all men are responsible for that burden of their fellow man who does attack women or people of color or both there or people in the lgbtq community any anyone is vulnerable and that vulnerability which we touched on last week is is it's an innate vulnerability from the moment that you're born whether it is just your sex or the way that you look or your gender or the way you identify there's an innate danger that is built within us to fear men and you would like to think okay so maybe that's innate because you know obviously throughout time we've evolved to literally for however long to fear men so you would think like of course that's just natural but then for both of us and as you're going to hear today No, we were proven right. We have every reason to fear men. And Mm -hmm. even the men who are closest to us are not trustworthy. Not all of them. Not the men that we have in our lives now, but men that we have had in our lives in the past. Right.
1: And just to emphasize that not all men, but every woman Mm -hmm. has, I'm sure, a number of experiences where they have felt unsafe or they've experienced harm and it doesn't always have to be physical harm it can be those microaggressions or it could be manipulation it could be mental emotional terrorism on you as a woman because you are viewed as weaker and just more susceptible and you are more vulnerable to men so Right. Not all men are this way, but every woman has experienced something that we are going to be talking about or
0: just that general feeling of being unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we have, you know, we've both experienced similar things in that we were both in very toxic relationships when we were young that we've touched on in the past uh christy and i have done you know more deep dives on that in other episodes where we've kind of really gone into certain relationships we've had i for one had a relationship in my teenage years uh not my high school boyfriend but i guess my later high school boyfriend i dated this guy uh later on in high school and then for a few years after and he was the one as i referred to that cheated on me you know every day if he could he had a an asian fetish that I that was my first time I had ever even heard of that before. I had never heard I was seventeen when I started dating him. I never heard of um anyone sexualizing Asian women before, specifically. Like I just I had heard guys sexualize women, that's for sure. Just mm-hmm. not about being Asian. And he point blank said to me, I will never be as pretty as another Asian girl. And he of course, I mean he knew you and he Oh yeah. Pursued I mean you, of course. That's a detail that we
1: haven't shared and not for any other reason other than it just didn't seem relevant at the time but katie's ex that she's talking about i i mean i was 15 when i met him and it was just through mutual friends from going to shows and i at the time it was generally harmless flirting but I don't really know where his mind was as far as the way that he viewed Asian women at that time. Um, It was very short-lived. It never, nothing ever really came to fruition between him and I. And then once that fizzled out later on, I eventually met Katie and they were dating. And it was really just a minor detail of my life that I didn't think much of. But, But I do remember when you were dating him, that becoming somewhat of a known characteristic about him is that he everyone was knew yeah everyone knew that and yeah.
0: uh still is yeah low key. <laughs> uh so low-key high-key still is so um you know the thing is and that i want to differentiate before we go any further is uh not i mean my sister-in-law is asian my i have other family members that are asian my brother-in-law is white there is no he's not dating her because she's asian and, and there's no problem he believes you know it's not about uh if you were like you know i think that asian girls are prettier than white girls and that's just who i'm attracted to that's not what we're talking about we're talking about specifically believing that asian women in particular have uh are more sexualized are hyper you know well you can kind of go into you'd be better explain like what what is that these types of guys believe about asian women because you and i i didn't even really know how to how to verbalize it mm-hmm. like yeah um
1: it's for the most part it's just being objectified in a way that that is extremely demeaning because it plays off of the stereotype that women are submissive and they obey and from a physicality you know, it's just that they're smaller; they're more petite sexually. It's more appealing to men for some reason, and I don't really know the psychology behind that. But just in my own experience, from how I have felt from my interaction with men, and just my whole life in general, um, that's what I believe is behind this. I not fetish, but just this novelty. To sleep with an Asian woman—it's they're exotic and they're sexy and they're—they're they're just objects. It's really not anything other than just viewing them as a sexual object. And it's—you know—before we even recorded, we, you and I were talking and we were trying to just briefly discuss how we wanted to structure the episode. And when I was even talking about it, I was still verbalizing my detachment from being an asian woman which i will get into later but that all plays into my experience as a woman in general it's not that i'm a woman and i'm also asian i'm an asian woman my experiences with men have been very specific to my race and not all of them but i'd say half of my relationships, most of my interactions with men that I would meet out at bars or at clubs, it's all been a factor. So, you know, I guess, just to point that out, it's it is, there's a lot more layers to that. But, you know, just to start off with the general topic of being a woman in this country, it's, you know, there's, there's always an ulterior motive. And it's always I I just feel like it's harmful and violent and scary so um just to come come back to what you were touching on with your first relationship and when you started to pay attention to these feelings of being female as a teenager as an adult how it influenced the relationships that you got into at a young age and what that was like um you know do you want to just kind of dive more into
0: where that where that progressed or how it progressed so yeah I think that the earliest some of the earliest memories I have of being uncomfortable as specifically as a woman and realizing like of course as I noted I had um some experiences that I'll get into later in the episode in my high school years that were informative uh and that made me Lose trust and have issues with men. But because I was so young, I blamed myself for it. And I didn't see men as true predators until a bit later on. And one of the first things was that when I was 18, I broke up with that guy that we were just talking about for an older guy. Mm -hmm. And that I think I've mentioned on the podcast too is that's kind of how I got out of that relationship was that I met this older guy who won me over and, um, at the time was kind of like rescuing me, I thought from this relationship, but in looking back on it, it definitely was predatory. And I was, I met him when I was 17, when I was with my ex, he waited that whole year until I turned 18 and then immediately pursued me and tried to get me to break up with my boyfriend, uh, which I did. And he was just always talking about how young i looked and how attractive it was to him and how you know he thought that like avril lavigne was super hot because she looked so young and well did you also how old was he you were oh 17. i'm sorry i was 18 and he was 27 mm-hmm. or 28 Just, 27 or 28 uh either nine at least or 10 years yeah nine yeah nine or ten um yeah i know yeah it was about probably 10 mm-hmm. uh which 10 years as you get older isn't a huge deal but 10 years between 17 and 27 18 and 28 is a massive deal Mm -hmm. and looking back on it i i felt uncomfortable but i didn't know what it was that was making me uncomfortable and then i realized after i stopped seeing him and he continued to date girls that had just turned 18 and might still be doing that um that's when I realized that this was like predatory behavior. This wasn't a coincidence that he liked me and I just so happened to look like I was 12 years old. Right. So, and I knew, you know what? At that time, actually, do you remember? There was somebody that we knew. uh, She went to shows. She lived in in Baltimore, but she was, um, she knew him, my ex-boyfriend, and she was Asian and she was a stripper. And she said that she was a stripper because guys loved that she was an Asian who looked like she was like, 12 years old Mm -hmm. and she said she made more money there than any other girl there and that was another kind of tipping point to me where I was like so not only is it just that you're Asian there is the combination of the more childlike you look and the younger you look the more that men a certain type of men will come for you and Christy and I I'd like to say we still look young but we've (laughs) always looked really not in like a oh, wow, they're so effortlessly beautiful. But in like a, oh, did you just graduate high school? Look, you know. Right. So I think that that's something that we've been kind of unique in where some girls, I think, look older than they are. So Mm -hmm. men start hitting on them when they're so young and there's that. you and I attracted a total different type, Mm -hmm. which in my opinion is sicker, Mm -hmm. where they want you to look so young. Um, Right so yeah that was like my first kind of that was the first red flag in my mind of like okay this person is a predator and that that's a thing that guys like about me i never knew that um but what do you think around that same time you were dating quote unquote hills have eyes that's his name on this show oh, right yeah uh, we call him hills have eyes you were dating him how did that play into the trauma you went through as a woman and as an asian woman at the hands of him. <laughs>
1: well, he was, he was my introduction to everything. He was my introduction to relationships. He was int- my introduction to sex. I was a virgin when I met him. I was, I was sixteen when I met him, and I don't think that we started dating until. How old was he when you were sixteen? He was twenty. Cause I remember celebrating his twenty first birthday with him, and I think we had just started dating. So once I turned seventeen, he turned twenty one. So it wasn't necessarily the same exact same
0: age gap as me and my ex that cheated on me.
1: Right. Yeah. It wasn't as significant as like a ten year age gap. Right. But either way, age is just a number in this in these particular. In, in my particular situation, I guess, but I remember, um, like I said, I was naive to so much before I met him, so entering into the relationship, I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants, just seeing how things go, I felt, you know, he was very, he wasn't scared to show me that he was interested in me, making, you know, just gross comments. And I remember even before I started dating him, if this says anything, that I guttural, like my guttural feeling towards him was disgust. Um, so I'm sure everyone is asking, well, then why did you date him? And it was merely for the fact that he then kind of switched his attitude towards me and just began giving, giving me more attention. And I was getting you know, I was getting reactions from people around me that did kind of set off some type of switch in my head that there's something not right here. My mom did not approve. Mm -hmm. Um, She was very, very adamant about the age difference at the time, even though in retrospect, I'm saying it doesn't seem like it's that much. But at the time, she was horrified by it that i'm 16 and he's 20 or 21 and he's she was telling me from the get-go that he was a predator and i didn't listen obviously and it caused a huge strain in my relationship with her but that's besides the point but even my friends around me i remember so many of them just asking me what are you doing with him and i had no answer um but the way that the relationship progressed was a clear indicator that he was playing off both the fact that I looked young, I was young, I was a virgin, and I was Asian. And he was not, he was very unapologetic in the way that he would express himself. He would make disgusting comments about, you know, who's trying to get pregnant tonight and, you know, women in the kitchen. Like, He... That
0: was his shtick, but... Yeah, the color of women's vaginas, that was a big one. All of it. It was so... It was disgusting. He's the fucking worst.
1: And so once I actually became officially in a relationship with him, and he was very subtle to my naive, young, immature brain in the way that he lured me in. He was very comforting in a way to make me feel comfortable giving my virginity away to him or having just being in a relationship with him he made me that was like part of his master manipulation was to groom me in a way to then feel trusting of him that he was a safe space when really he then would just exploit all of these things about me and then started to treat me like a sexual object. He set the precedent for my entire relationship with sex moving forward. Um, I remember times that I wouldn't wanna have sex with him and he would get angry and he would, you know, cause a fight and, and tell me that it was my fault that I'm not pleasing him and at the time, I was just a stubborn, angsty teenager, so I I didn't really submit in the way that one may think, but it was just like, well, I just don't want to, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, but that was common. And he just... I think the reason that I was so appealing my virginity in particular, was so that he could craft me mm-hmm. in a way to sexualize me to his preference. and Which is something a lot of men do. They call it breaking mm-hmm. someone in. Um, he, That's what he did. Um, and again, it was very confusing for me as a young girl because I was shown love in certain ways, but then also treated like an object, like a sex object in the other half of the relationship. And there were a, there were a lot of crimes that were committed against me at that time. But the major, most significant one was that he got me pregnant. I said it. There, I said it.
0: And um, not just got you pregnant, but... Purpose. We believe so, yeah. Allegedly, yeah. we believe to be intentionally. Intentionally. 100%. And without giving
1: all of the details of it, but the reason why I can say that and feel that way is because of the context of the relationship. It was something that was never discussed. I was 18 years old, and the way that our sex life had been, it was, again, I'm sure, some type of calculated, strategic way to make me feel safe with him and trust him, you know, in our sex life. And then I can remember the actual day, time that it happened that, you know, I wasn't expecting it. Um, And I was scared, but I was just willing to wait and see what happened. And turns out I had gotten pregnant. And it's no secret that I don't have a child now. So we can put two and two together as to what happened with that situation. But And I'm not Christy's child. Shockingly enough, I know that may come as a surprise.
0: Well, as no, no, No. we're the same age.
1: But so after that, it was still. I I mean, to go through something like that at such a young age. Mm -hmm. When I think about it now, all I want to do is just hug that little girl and tell her that. I'm sorry that that happened to you and that you were taken advantage of in the worst way and then have to go through something like that to terminate a pregnancy that you don't... I mean, a tale for another time as far as like all of the feelings that come along with that, but what happened in the relationship after that was he was supportive and he at least portrayed himself as supportive, but then was able to use that against me as leverage in certain times you know um the fact that i took a child away from him and that i did this to him
0: yeah we said we were talking about this earlier and i i think it's a win like for him it it was definitely a win-win like either you were gonna have his child and be tied to him forever Mm -hmm. and he's a narcissistic psychopath like that is what he wanted or you would then be put in an impossible position, and he knew that he could hold that over your head forever. So it's like, honestly, if so, if anyone's out there like, well, why would he want to do that? That That mm-hmm. is the type of person he is to be tied to Christy or to then be able to shame her. Both are a win. Right. And also,
1: you know, additionally, after we had finally broken up, um, he got into another relationship. Now, at this point, he was older. And the girl that he
0: dated after me was even younger than me then. Well, I'm oh, sorry not to cut you off, but he also did have – he already had a child when you dated him as oh. well. That's something to, to note.
1: Right. He did, yeah. And as far as I know, it was they were teenagers when they had the kid. And I think that it was a different situation because he was 16 and she was 15. So mm-hmm. I don't know –
0: you know, where right. the
1: psyche was at that point about having a kid. But as he got older and then met me and that happened and then obviously continued to get older and then date a girl who was younger than me at the time, she had a kid with him. And from the outside, being in that position, I can only assume why that, poor that happened. Yeah. Um. And then they, you know, they didn't stay together. It wasn't like a way to have a happy family together. It was just another way for him to have control over a girl and so that really like I said it it just set the trajectory for my whole life my the way that I viewed myself as a woman the way that I viewed myself as an Asian woman because he would also be you know pretty open about making Asian jokes he would like the Asian slurs that he would say to me so freely I Just even growing up Asian in a predominantly white area, I had already minimized my feelings about being Asian. So even when he was so crude and vulgar about me being Asian, I didn't cause a stir. I didn't speak up for myself. I let it slide and it was just, you know, another building block of my suppression to who I really was and how I really felt about being Asian. So... Already having a whole childhood filled with confusing, shameful feelings around being Asian and then dating somebody like that who was so rude, um, it just compounded it even more. And
0: Yeah, like emphasized it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was an extremely formative part of my life that I'm so thankful that I got out of, but also extremely thankful that I experienced because... There was so much to learn from that. And as horrific as it may sound to anyone who's not familiar with these types of situations, I can say that I still remain extremely grateful that I went through
0: it. And and also, I'd like to say that as horrific as it is, and this is not to deduct, this is just to let people know that's not uncommon. Christy's not the only person, although that never happened to me. Christy is not the only person I know who was... Uh, who got pregnant intentionally by the guy and the other guys admitted it so this is not just mm-hmm. speculation um and then terrorized them when they uh when they didn't have the baby so mm-hmm. um this is a it's a common control tactic and i'm sure and it always has been from the beginning of time for a man to make sure that a woman gets pregnant so that they are a tied to them be not as desirable to other men see like it just keeps going on mm-hmm. and on of all the benefits, especially when they know they can just leave and not be responsible for that child if they want to at the end of the day. Right. Um, so, I mean, and it's it's awful and it's horrific. And I think that that's – it is it's, – um, it's hard to imagine, you know, being put in that position. And I do think that for anyone who – I would just like everyone just to maybe take a moment and imagine if you were in that position, what would you do? And you might feel something in your heart that feels something like I can't imagine. And I think maybe always just keep that feeling in mind when people are telling their story or what they've gone through. Um, You have no idea. You have no idea how things happen or why or what goes on between two people. Um, And I think that In that situation, I know that there was a lot of people who knew you guys at the time Mm -hmm. and would probably be shocked by that. Um, And I'm not because I was there. But, you know, I understand that because I was in relationships like that too. And I was in positions like that as well where I think people would maybe be surprised to know. You know, like I... So, I mean, as your biggest crime against you, it really was... I would consider that sexual assault. You know what? I I, like I do. I think that is sexual assault. It was definitely
1: a form. And as I've gotten older, especially like very current, rehashing that traumatic experience as a full blown adult now, I've definitely been able to see it in different ways that I never knew before. And Simply just because I know more about myself, I know more about people in general, relationships, all of that have really helped me look at it in a different lens that makes me feel, like I said, just so sad for that girl in a way because she was just in a position that she had no control over and she felt very helpless and at the hands of a man who was completely taking advantage of that, um, and it does raise m- a much larger conversation as far as the people that you are around that you think that you can trust. And there's reasons why women feel very scared and like they can't trust men, any man, mm-hmm. for that matter because of situations like this and it doesn't have to be something so extreme like that, but it it happens in so many different ways.
0: Well, even I think most women I don't actually I should look up what the statistic is, but I know that most women in the US that are murdered are at the hands of a partner. Mm-hmm. It's through domestic violence. It's not I think when people think of violence against women, they're imagining people just women getting raped on the street or held at gunpoint or robbed or whatever. And it's like yes those things happen but that is so like the five percent and the 95 percent was it was my friend my boyfriend my cousin my not my cousin that's fucking weird (laughs) i hope it wasn't your cousin god you know what that's so fucked up you know what yes there were people that it was your cousin i'm sorry like but there but it is like your boss your friend Mm -hmm. your coworker. um and yeah, sometimes even family members. And mm-hmm. it is shocking and jarring to, to understand that if you are someone who's been lucky enough to not experience something like this. But I know that my, I have, I've been sexually assaulted twice and both times it was at the hands of someone I knew. Um, they were, both guys were people that were in my friend group um that everyone liked everyone got along with everyone trusted and you know when I was in high school when I was a junior in high school I think it was a junior I went to a football game I was blackout drunk I don't remember anything but then I woke up in a field with most of my clothes off the game was long over And, um, my friend was next to me and she was trying to cover me and she said she saw a guy, we know who it was, walking away from me Mm -hmm. and he had led me to there. She said she was with me, that he came and grabbed my hand, he led me to like a secluded area away from the field. I don't remember any of that and the difficult part about that is that because I was so young, I was not a virgin, and let that be known. Also, I think that's important to say because I was young. I wasn't a virgin and maybe the universe was protecting me on that one. Um, but I, uh, I didn't, I thought that that was my fault. I got too drunk. I blacked out. I was responsible for my own behavior. And that was kind of the narrative that... You know, he told, he bragged about it to everyone in school. So, and no one asked me, like, well, are you okay? That was normal. Everyone thought that was normal. Um, so much so that I didn't consider it rape until much, much, much later. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was when I was 16, 15 or 16. And then, um, unfortunately, again, when I was 20... Uh, after the guy that I was dating who passed away, I was in not a great headspace, as you can imagine. I had PTSD. I was drinking a lot. I was trying to just, like, not experience it. And Christy and I hung out with a group of guys that we were super close to. We hung out with them all the time. All the time. And Christy knew all I of them. I went to school with all of them. Right. We had Christy had known them. Everyone knew them. They were so vetted. And... I had been around them drunk so many times and everything was fine. And then one time, I don't remember. I know that we were all drinking. We were all hanging out. Uh, I, I don't even think that I was like, I wasn't that drunk. Like I didn't pass out. Like I went to bed. Everyone went to bed. Uh, I laid down on the couch. I fell asleep. And when I woke up, somebody was having sex with me and It was a guy who was in the friend group who didn't live there but was, like, on the peripheral that I couldn't even, I didn't even know, him. like, I wasn't close enough to him to even recognize him in the dark. So I, I was so confused by what was happening that I came to, pushed him off of me, ran upstairs, and Christy was sleeping upstairs, and I woke her up and I told her, and we sat in that room until the sun came up. And when the sun came up, we left because I was too afraid to leave the room. Mm -hmm. There was something in me that, like, even though I was with Christy, like, I was like, but he could still, like, get Like, he could still get me. Like, it – and then, unfortunately, you know, I debated telling anyone, like, what – should I or shouldn't I? And then I decided I wouldn't until all of the guys in that friend group started, like – basically calling me out for, quote, unquote, having sex with this guy. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I didn't. If you really want to ask me, he raped me when I was asleep, and they said I was lying. Mm-hmm. They all said I was lying. And um, and then I ran away and moved to California. <laughs> That's basically I, – I literally – that was the final straw, and I was like, well, now I've got to go. And that comes along with a guilt that I never – Press charges, you know he could still be out there. I know I wasn't the first person he did that to. There's a friend of ours said that she knew that he had done that before, which is a separate detail that I can't get into. But um, this wasn't the first time he had done that. I'm sure he's done it again since, and that kills me because those girls. That's my I take on that. You know mm-hmm. I if I. It's, he preyed on me intentionally, <clears throat> knowing that I had PTSD, knowing that what rough shape I was in. I was not in a good state of mind. He had known me already for some time. He had never approached me. He had never tried to hook up with me in any capacity. So I see that he just really took advantage of this moment. Like we were somebody like, let it be known. I never kissed him. We never flirted. We had no interaction whatsoever that would ever make him think Like, it's not like we were seeing each other, and he's like, oh, I thought that you were more, I thought you were with it. I thought, Mm -hmm. in all capacity, no, no excuse. And then even when I confronted him, he said to me that I was lying. Right.
1: And, you know, it, it just goes back to the point that these crimes against women and the feeling that women have of feeling basically fearing for their lives, is not always just the obvious things that we hear about every day where, you know, women who are scared to walk home, women who have to protect each other at the bar, in clubs, women who are walking from their car to their door with keys in their knuckles. And I had you upstairs, and I still wasn't safe. All of the precautions that women have to take on the outside it is not just exclusive to those things. It's not just getting attacked on the street. It can be so insidious that it is in your relationships, it is in your friendships, it's in your friend groups, and just the notion that still plays at large in society today that women are not believed. And, you know, thank God for the Me Too movement because it is just... Normalized thing to not believe women. How drunk were you? What were you wearing? It's it it always comes back to the woman's fault, and it's never focused on the actual problem, which is which are with these sick men who have issues that they need to deal with. And if oh, yeah, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Well, I mean, that's that's basically just. It's angering. It's so maddening that that is still the narrative in society that always comes back to the woman. How, what did she do to bring that on to herself? And people criticize women all the time for staying quiet for years, decades, even, and not wanting to come forward. And they wonder why. And it's because
0: you don't believe us. Right. No and one I, believes yeah, us anyway. Like, I knew. I knew even then. I said to you. They won't believe me and they will go through my history they will go through my my sexual record they will find out that i have hooked up with other guys in this friend group they will find out intentionally willingly that that was my choice and i was uh, and it puts you under a microscope you are it is a lose-lose and you know if you're listening to this and you're wondering you know how could christy just get pregnant how could katie just be sexually assaulted twice well, because we're human, and we unfortunately as women should be on guard 175% of the time, at every corner, at every hour, all the time. And when you're not, when you let your guard down for even a second, you will be violated. Mm-hmm. And we learn that. And unfortunately, we're not, we're humans, Women are human. They can't protect themselves all the time. It is on the men to stop attacking women and people of color. It is on them. Like this, it has to stop. And the questioning of, and that is something that multiple people asked me. How drunk were you? What were you wearing? Mm -hmm. Well, what did you expect? What did I expect? I expected to get drunk with my friends and go to sleep on the couch like every other fucking guy in that house. Mm -hmm. But because I was a woman, I unfortunately was sexually assaulted. And my crime was that I got drunk at a friend's house. Mm -hmm. And the other time was that I got drunk at a football game. There were hundreds and hundreds of people at that game. You're telling me everyone there saw me being led by the hand, unable to walk, him basically carrying me into the woods and then walking out and buttoning his pants and not me anywhere in sight, and nobody other than my best friend thinks that's weird? And then when she and I hated him for years in high school after that, and everyone made us out to be bitter bitches. Mm-hmm. And then we were like these assholes and it's like, oh, let it go, drop it. Like, why can't you just let it go? And there was, you know, everyone in my high school would say the joke and you know what? I probably said it too. I'm sure I did. Of, you know, what is it? No means, no means maybe, like maybe means yes and yes means like, it we already should or something. It was something like that or whatever. And, you know, rape and assault and racism just run so deeply through our country and through the men in our country. And no, I mean, I'm not, we're not taking the blame for it anymore. Like, we're not doing this. The fact that the cops in, you know, in both situations of both the Atlanta shooting and Sarah Everard, the cops told women in the UK to stay indoors. Mm-hmm. And the cop here said that the shooter was having a bad day. Like, no. first of
1: all, fuck you. Like,
0: literally, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> and second
1: of all, it that just shows also that the institutions that are there in place who are supposed to protect you are even
0: perpetually. And, and not even let's violence. not even mention that the person who killed Sarah Everard allegedly thus right. far was a cop. Exactly. So like it is so deep in I mean, we don't have to say I mean, just the last Forever in America, but especially over the last few years, it it has become more and more obvious that even the people who are out to protect us are not. And I'm so tired of hearing the Imagine if it was your daughter. Imagine if it was your sister. Imagine why do you have to pretend that you're related to someone or that you you have an Asian girlfriend yourself or you're you're friends with an Asian person to care that Asian women and Asian people are being killed and that women are being killed like. Why do you have to know someone to care about human rights? I care about a bunch of things that happen in the world. I'll never even go to those places. I'll probably even never meet those people. But I care deeply because it's it's a crime and people are being murdered Well, and in, it's, it's assaulted.
1: Sort of, it is, I would say, and I am even guilty of doing this myself against even the Asian community of not being able to really tap into any empathy because it's not happening to you it sometimes does take a situation where it hits close to home for people to wake up which is a shame it you know I I wish that things were different I wish the people were just I wish empathy was just built into people more than it is because it you know people start listening after a tragedy happens and it's because Somewhere it hits close to home for them, where it's like, then they do have to start imagining if that was their wife, sister, mother, girlfriend, whatever. And, I mean, it's, we have to start working at the source. It's, it's the fact that women feel this way, and especially women of color, and we were talking about this privately, but just how the more that you have against you in terms of your ethnicity your socioeconomic status the area that you live in how much everything how you identify in terms of gender and sexuality the more that you embody those characteristics or any of that the more harm you are vulnerable to and the the less support you get so you are at the highest risk with the lowest support from not just your community but the entire country and world really and there are no words for me to even express how that makes me feel um because it is so upsetting but it's true and it's the harsh reality of our country and I mean, just bringing it back to why we're doing this episode in the first place is to share these internal experiences that we have that are not really talked about because we as women are supposed to be quiet. Don't be loud. Don't be obnoxious. Don't have feelings. And carry the shame
0: and guilt of your perpetrator's crime in both of our cases Mm -hmm. we now have to carry the shame and say don't tell that story it might make people uncomfortable don't tell that story they'll think less of you Mm -hmm. i if you want to think less of us because men put us in situations where honestly we're lucky that we walked that we're here let's just say that nobody killed us so so far we're doing better than a lot of women Mm -hmm. but like If you want to judge us for the impossible situations that we were put into and what has happened to us, then I suggest highly reflecting on your life and the people that you know and maybe dig a little deeper because we are every single person. I'm every woman. We are literally everyone you know. Mm -hmm. Every woman you know has done this or has a friend who has been assaulted or was impregnated or was raped or had their their rapist baby. Like... There are so many things, uh, and it's not uncommon, it's not unusual, and we are at a point where we are not going to continue to carry shame and stigma. We're going to just, we're going to say it. And if you're listening to this and uh, you relate to it in any way, you are not alone, you're not the only one, and don't feel ashamed for what anyone has done to you or for not protecting yourself 170 percent of the time because it's not possible it's it's you you can't right right i mean we've always
1: just been focusing on what we should have done as women after the fact as opposed to who committed these crimes in the first place Mm -hmm. and it's such a widespread idea that that's what is probably one of the most frustrating parts of this is that we always see these things coming there's always some clues or hints before the crime that after it's already been committed all seem to make so much sense you know it's we should have seen this coming we did see it coming and yet still we are constantly playing catch up and now it's gotten to the point where it is ingrained in our society so much that it's been normalized for women to be attacked or violated in some way and or to blame themselves. To blame themselves or to place the blame on them. And even to this day, for as much ha- that has been happening in the world and how much has been brought to light in the last few years, ever since Me Too and and everything, it still happens every single mm-hmm. day in my life. I experience on a regular basis either some type of subtle like sexual advance. Not... Not an overt sexual advance, but just a feeling of uncomfortability and, like, guarded. I'm feeling very guarded and worried about myself as a woman. Um,
0: Honestly, I kind of love masks now because I think it, it makes me feel more protected. They can't see me, and then therefore they're less likely. Like, they don't really know what I look like, although three times in a row now at different stores i've had different guys be like you have really pretty eyes and i'm like god damn it it's not you know my body like and and i'm listen i'm not a, i'm not a 10 you know like this is all women it doesn't matter like it, it, you could you could literally walk around the fucking paper bag over your head and a guy's gonna cat call you like mm-hmm. that's the thing we're not special and we're not like we're just like so hot and it's so hard for us like we're saying men are so disgusting and so desperate and so fucking out of their minds that they will literally hit on anyone and everyone at any time of the day and it is it's beyond it's so frustrating like i i'll drive up there's been so many times that i've driven up to like 7 Seven Eleven or something and there's like either a group of guys standing outside or a lot of guys even in the store. Like mm-hmm. if I don't see any other women and it's just like a line and all guys that don't know each other, mm-hmm. but all guys, I won't go in. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. I, I don't just, like the ratios. I yeah. don't like there being that many more men than women at any given time. I just feel unsafe.
1: Right. And there because there's just been could so, turn so many there's been so much context and history to make us feel this way this isn't just right. because we are paranoid it's because there has been a pattern f- way before we were even born that women were weaker or lesser than and objectified and it's even to the point where also at a gas station i was getting surrounded by a group of teenage boys mm-hmm. and they're the scariest i'm you know i'm not large and very strong and although they were younger than me I was still ready to throw down because the way that they were approaching me was extremely concerning and it they were was being, like aggressive yeah it was like a vulture mentality like they were surrounding my car and I was feeling the um, danger of the situation. And luckily I, I was able to get out of there and, you know, it just, it's just really sad. It's just very sad that this is the way that women have to live. And even more so women of color, it's extremely disheartening. And I can't even, again, put into words what, even as a woman of color, you know, I even find myself still talking as if I'm not a woman of color. Um, 100%, yeah. But you know, with with that incident that occurred in Atlanta with the eight people that were murdered, six of whom were Asian women and you know, again, I'm not I don't need to go into the details of the story. I would encourage everyone to look into these stories themselves, but the motive behind that murder was that he was, you know, a quote-unquote victim of sexual addiction, and he was eradicating his temptation. And, you know, that kind of brings me to my next point about being an Asian woman in particular living in America and what that has been like, and it brings a whole other aspect to the fear or the experience um, growing up, And, you know, with that story, I will just say that for the first few days after the news broke, I was still very detached from the story. I felt numb. I felt like as more exposure was being brought to light, especially on social media and attacks on the Asian community in general, I still... It took me up until yesterday or the day before to actually get in touch with my feelings about it and actually cry about it and bring all of those feelings to the surface that I have suppressed for my entire life. And it has just been a really... Um, enlightening experience in a way, but it's also just kind of made me take a look at what I've experienced and what it's done to me as a person. Um, I think that with Asian racism in this country, it, and this is just my perception, but I feel like it's almost a more widely accepted form of racism in a way. It definitely is. It seems much more acceptable to say things to Asian people, to make jokes about Asian people, to perpetuate stereotypes. And I think that I have definitely tried to blend in more with white people than I have with Asians because of how much shame and embarrassment was tied around that part of my identity. And just speaking, just kind of giving like a brief overview of what my – life has been like because I have been blind to it for so long was that I've talked about this before on our body image episode of the first times when I started to experience those little incidents of discrimination that were confusing to me didn't really make any sense you know in elementary school kids I mean kids are dicks anyway but growing up there was a lot of kids who were you know making their eyes look slanted, asking me why my face looked flat, why your eyes look like that, and it continued on, and I never, again, spoke up, I never showed any type of reaction, I just took it, and it made me want to detach further from being Asian, because I almost felt like it was like there was something wrong with me. I would rather not even be Asian just so I didn't have to experience this type of treatment. Um, And then it started to transform as I got older, particularly in my 20s, when I started going out to bars and clubs and meeting and interacting with more men. And honestly, even just like within friend groups that I've had, it's always just been an accepted way of, you know, my relationships with people is, like, that I was even a part of as far as, like, making Asian jokes or just saying degrading things about Asians because that part of me I just did not want to be a part of. Um, and, again, I've talked about before just being hypersexualized and and viewed a certain way from men that um, – it's just very troubling the things that people have said to me that I have brushed off and allowed to happen. Um, there's, I can't tell you how many times, how many times men have come up to me and tried to make like a fun game out of guessing which country I'm from, where are you really from? Um, I would even say things as far as like, you know, but I'm not really Asian or I'm, like, the worst Asian that you'd ever meet because I don't fit into these stereotypes. Or I basically viewed myself as white. And you can attest to that because Mm -hmm. you've said before that there were times when you were like, but you're not white. And I'm like, I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, Um, I
0: literally, there were times you referred to us as a group of white girls. And I was like, we are, I'm literally the only person who's white. (laughs) Like, I was like, what? Like, Ray, our friend Ray, is really, honestly, united nations i mean Mm -hmm. she's everybody but she's primarily i would say white and black Mm -hmm. and then you're korean i'm irish i'm the only like straight up white girl which i prefer um because i hate white girls but and i can say that i'm a white girl um so it's just the truth like i think everyone agrees uh they're the worst so but i think yeah there was a lot of times that you uh didn't see it that way um and I've always been aware of it, I guess, because I'm looking at you, so yeah. maybe that's it, that I'm always looking at you, and I, but I also just, like, it's so, it's just part of your story, and even for years, something that I was so much more interested in, that I was always pushing you to be, like, like, art, don't you want to know more, you know, or, like, embrace her, like, you know, like, learn more about your culture, like, you know, like, feel, like, where are you from, like, what is it really like, and you're like, no, nope, like, maybe like, one day. Oh. And I was like, I mean, I just, I see it for you. And I do think that it's something that, and I, I mean, I just personally find that stuff really interesting, but, um, it yeah. was, it was,
1: I tried to minimize it as much as possible. I ultimately just wanted to feel accepted and a part of a bigger group and I would do anything, um, to feel that way, including diminish my own race. And there were times that I would use it to my advantage, because I saw the way that people treated Asian people. So, you know, once, I mean, this is a little bit benign, but I remember even being young with my older brother, who's also Korean, and we would be at like a fair, like a town fair. And we would just if we wanted to get in the front of the line or like get closer in the line like we would just find the closest asian family and just stand <laughs> near them because no one was going to question us and you know things like that i would use to my advantage but then also even in my 20s once i did start to see that i was this novelty sex object to guys i would play into that and it was nice to feel desired and you know, try to feel close to somebody. So the sex and the, just the, the notion that I was Asian, it was just something that I used to my advantage in the wrong way. And um, something that even occurred as recent as last year, um, I was hooking up with a guy or I was seeing a guy that I met off a dating app we had hung out a few times and dating in general was just a new as an adult like a woke adult was a new thing for me but this experience was very telling and very jolting for me because by the third time we had hung out you know we hooked up and that experience in and of itself was it was aggressive. It was jarring. Very, I felt very blindsided by it. I mean, he went from zero to 60. I had this very surface level impression of him, so I didn't feel... I wasn't expecting that, but the degree of how aggressive and forward he was was very traumatic. It just re-traumatized me all over again, and I remember... One thing that he said to me after the fact, specifically, was, oh, well, you looked like you would be into this, so that's why I did it. I was just... And I just, even at that point, still didn't even really see the connection of how white men view Asian women, and it would be naive of me even to say that that wasn't a part of it, let alone just being a woman in general and thinking that that's what women want because men tend to watch porn and think that that's how you should treat women. Yeah, so it was it was just an experience that even now, a year later, being somebody who is still dating, I guess, I'm still single, so it's still, you know, eventually I will be getting into a relationship maybe, and these things all come into play. It makes me feel still um, worried and anxious about how... Potential partners will view me coming into a relationship because it just makes me wonder if they are really getting into the relationship or interested in me for who I am or because I embody some sexual fantasy that they have that is rooted in some type of racism or, you know, just animalistic mindset that is gross. Um... So it's not a nice feeling, but it's also just something that I'm I'm still exploring and now even more cognizant of the type of people that I let into my life. It's everybody is guilty until proven innocent, whereas I've been living the complete opposite and giving everybody a chance and letting everybody gain my trust at the drop of a hat and I don't fault myself for that. It's not that I am blaming myself, but now moving forward it's From these types of experiences, specifically with men, being an Asian woman, I am now much more conscious and patient in seeing how people really are before I let my guard down. And that's just a testament to how I've grown up in this country and the way that I've been treated as a minority and how I've even viewed myself because ultimately it's just always come back to... The desire to feel accepted and included and wanted and all of those things and I was willing to put my safety at risk in order to feel that and the more that I'm reading about this story in Atlanta it has shown me that there are are so many Asian women that feel the same exact way that I do who have had the same feelings the same experiences the same suppression of their identity as an Asian woman because they've just always valued blending in more than being who they are and embracing the fact that they're Asian and that has actually been very helpful because for a while it has felt very unique to just me but it's now that more women are speaking up, more Asian women are speaking up about how they feel and what they've experienced, um, you know, I'm starting to find solace in it, but it's still a very new, raw wound that I am just paying attention to now. And just to quote our queen, Beyonce, but I do feel now like I am part of something that's much bigger than me. Um, So... As tragic as this event was, it is hopefully a starting point to have these conversations, start recognizing these issues on a larger scale in society and being recognized for what they really are.
0: Well, uh, and I think there's a lot that's gone on. Asian hate crimes have been up over the last year overall. Um, this is, you know, kind of a for a lot of people, maybe a wake-up call, but this is actually kind of a final straw. And this has been happening a lot, and a lot of people are arguing, well, why haven't I seen that report? Well, because it hasn't been a full year and the reports aren't out yet. So there hasn't been a lot of data on the Asian hate crimes as of yet, but more is coming out now. And this is not something new. This is something that happened in waves, just like all racism, for a very long time. Uh, different waves of it start happening and this time I know that I think for a lot of people it feels it's a lot to take on racism is a lot to take on in terms of feeling like what do I do you know what how do I help and how do I help the black community the Asian community the Latina community like how do I help everyone and be an ally to all communities and I think that asking people what their experiences have been and having conversations like this with your friends uh, or even like listening to other people online or reading articles about their experience is what's so important because you can't imagine. So you have to hear the story and instead of coming at it with a defensive approach, ask yourself – Why do I feel the need to defend murderers and rapists and people who attack women and attack people of color? Why is that my innate response? When someone brings up that hate crimes are up against Asian people and that we need to take this seriously, why are there so many people responding to me like, well, actually, that's not true. Like, I don't... Well, why would you even... If your brain goes to that place about women or race maybe do the work and if you have family members or friends that that's their response when you bring up this news uh try to share information with them and hopefully play this podcast for them let, th- let them hear it from from us themselves and it's due in large part over the last year to
1: that bag of dog shit that was our president before who incited this violence and created this harmful violent narrative around asians because of covid and Mm -hmm. yes asian racism has been around for a very long time it's been intertwined in media and movies that we see and you know it's again like any other marginalized group has been perpetuated in a way that is false and demeaning and we've always just been viewed this way but then when COVID hit they were told that it was okay by an authority figure or somebody who was in an authority position he was not an authority figure in my mind but somebody who is in a position of power who's telling you it's okay to view these people this way to blame them to all of these things. So it's just been heightened over the time of COVID, due in large part, like I said, to this acceptance and this approval to be this way. And if I'm being honest, it, I was one of those people for a long, a long time in my life where I have always said, you know, I never really had significant discrimination towards me, I was never physically harmed, I was never jumped, or any of those things that seem like the only crimes against minority groups. But by having that mindset and even verbalizing it and turning a blind eye to hearing about discrimination towards Asians, I was still, by being silent, almost justifying the behavior and justifying the racism and because i just valued the the wrong things i was like still feeling like if i played into these asian jokes if i made fun of myself if i even made fun of other asian people then i would be viewed as like a cool person i never wanted to speak up because i never wanted to look like this bitter scorn you know butthurt minority who's just complaining again about their plights of being a minority and i never wanted to be a nuisance so i just never said anything and you know i've even had friends say things to me that were in you know they were being harmless i know they had harmless intentions but even just saying things like well christy you are like you're like every husband's dream mistress you know, mm-hmm. like, I was... So even from my friends who didn't mean anything... It's just really weird. Yeah, like, just, like, things like that where it still kind of played into my mindset of, like, oh, well, that's just all who I am. You know, I am just... I am just here to be sexualized, and that's how I should feel valued. And um, it really, like I said just to show how much I've been suppressing all of these feelings and minimizing them. And it's really just then made me numb to any type of injustice that goes on. And I now, the more that I've been reading, the more that I've been hearing other people's stories have really helped me a lot um, come to terms with my identity. and. Yeah process all of this
0: yeah i think it's it's hard it's a lot to deal with and it's a lot to whether you're a woman a woman of color to start processing the baggage that comes along this along with it and everything you've gone through um and i just i mean really all i have left to say is that i hope that women um believe women Mm -hmm. that's all that's what i'm going to finish with that's all i have to say really on this is like i just believe women believe people of color believe people who say that they are struggling and they're being um mistreated taken advantage of all the things uh there is no reason to look for justification just look for ways to help and what you can do and it's it's something like these are all problems that
1: have been treated On a symptomatic basis, like I said before, we have not put the focus where we need to, which is at the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. And in in this particular instance, with the shooting in Atlanta, the problem is racism. And I was watching or I read something from um, this woman, Marilyn Strickland, who is a black Korean Democrat, and she's in Congress, and she made a speech. Um, in the wake of this tragedy that was basically saying that we need to start calling this shit out for what it is. This was not some white guy who had a bad day right. who took out his anger. He was racist and he targeted these this group of people for a reason. And that's where, like, I know that these problems are so large and so overwhelming that the thought of finding a cure to it feels impossible but that's a starting point is starting to call this shit out for what it is and stop making excuses for people and stop glazing over the fact that this happens all of the time for these reasons
0: yeah i think educating the number one thing is honestly educating yourself and educating other people to understand To break biases and stereotypes and things that they have been told about women, about Asian people, about black people, the information is part of the cure. Because these pretend narratives that people spin about women, about races, about different races is the poison and that's what makes them think that these people need to be eradicated or that these people need to be punished or they need to be shown a or whatever the fuck it's this disgusting misinformation so start by honestly educating yourself take a look at the statistics on all of it look into all of it spread the information and then on the other hand call it out when you see it do not tolerate it in any capacity no jokes against women no jokes against ethnicities no jokes about anything unless you are a member of that group then you can say what you want honestly you have free reign but otherwise you can't you don't have the right to joke around about somebody else's experience on this planet it is not fodder for you to just make light of and uh, you know it's it's disgusting and um we are i want to end on a more positive note in terms of that we are here to believe we believe you whatever you've gone through you can message us on instagram you could dm us and tell us what you've gone through we don't have to respond if you want to end it with you don't need to respond i just want to tell somebody you can do that too um because that's how these
1: things will um heal that's how you heal yourself is by
0: putting Speaking. it out there on it right right and that's what we're doing today is like that's the point of this we got it out and i'm yeah i I'm hope extremely... it's perceived and um yeah please honestly if you connect dm us on instagram at we don't know her pod you can email us at we don't know her pod at gmail.com um this week i think it's safe to say that we don't need to do uh our diamonds this i is mean a serious... this was
1: honestly my diamond because yeah of this the is our platform women
0: are my diamond having
1: no matter how big or small our platform is, having this platform in this particular time is very special Mm -hmm. to both of us because these are things that we've experienced and we've talked about it to each other and friends and things like that, but to put it out there for other women to hear and relate to and know that they're not alone and know that the horrific things that they've gone through are not unique to just them. And um, I think that, you know, having not done the work or not having this platform, I'm not sure how I'd be able to process it, but I'm sure I'd find a way. But this this particular way of expressing our experiences, I think, is, I mean, I'm just extremely grateful. I'm just so, I hope that this will help somebody.
0: I think um, it will. Yeah. So please reach out to us if it does. um, Contact us. You can always uh leave a review on itunes you could rate us all the things um and you know we're gonna be we won't always be talking about things that are this deep but there are more deep topics to come this is not the last of it so still important um, yeah let us know how you guys feel and um believe women yeah all right peace bye